Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. It is Thursday, June 17th. We are in the midst of NBA playoffs. We have quite a bit of MLB news going on. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see that we have a a full booth here. Uh, My co-host, Steve Buchanan, as usual. I'm Julian Edlow. And we have a guest, Sam Paniotovich from sports betting analyst at Nesson Fox Sports and the host of the Chicken Dinner Podcast and a guy that you can see on Nesson from time to time with our very own uh, lovable host, Emerson Lazia. Um, well, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate the offer. And uh, I'm ready to talk gambling per usual. You'd be amazed at how many people, like I'm in the conference room next to the newsroom. People have takes. And when I say takes, they have bets every day. It's like the lady in accounting is like, hey, I like the over. <laughs> like, holy, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't believe it. I, I mean, people want to bet on sports. Uh, and we're working on, you know, we're working on getting that going in as much of the country as possible. Um, so that kind of ties in nicely. You, as one of our new guests here, Sam, we want to get to know you better. Uh, so we're going to run through a few quick questions here. Just uh, have fun with it. Um we, you know, we've had some some pretty interesting answers from guests before. So I've reworked some of the some of these questions without telling anybody, without telling Steve, without telling our producers. Oh. Um, so our first question has always been kind of um, what is your biggest win? And I don't want you to use dollar amounts, but like I, I reworked it a little bit because I want it to be everyone's favorite win. So that could mean your mm-hmm. highest odds win, for example, as I tell all our guests. Steve Pierce plus 3000 2018 World Series MVP um or it could be your biggest money win or it could just be one that you like personally your favorite win in your gambling career I wish I could sit here and tell you it was when Gonzaga beat North Carolina in the national championship in 2017 we had 70 we had 70 to 1 on Gonzaga and they were they had a 2 point <laughs> lead with like a minute 40 to go against Carolina and we were already spending that money. You know what I mean? Now, we did hedge a little bit in <laughs> Carolina because when you have $100 at 70 to 1, you know, I know you said don't use dollar amounts, but when you have a dollar amount like that, you have to hedge. So we put a nice chunk on Carolina money line. So we would have still won, you know, about $55,000 or $5,500 rather if Gonzaga wins the, uh, the championship. But uh, that, that was close. My, my favorite cash though of all time was when Braxton Miller got hurt at Ohio State. 
and Ohio State went to about 25 to one to win the national championship. And I had a buddy in Columbus who said, look off for this kid, JT Barrett. He's even better than Braxton Miller. Barrett takes them all the way into late November and he gets hurt. And they roll in Cardell Jones as a starting quarterback. And I'll never forget him running over linebackers at Alabama and Zeke Elliott running over Oregon in the national championship. It's a pretty nice pop on the Buckeyes at 25 to one. But the thing is, they were like seven or eight to one, I think, before uh, Miller went down. Mm-hmm. And they still had NFL talent on both sides of the ball, multiple guys. So we thought 25 to one was a good pop. And it turned out to be true. But I did not have Cardale Jones saving the day. That's for sure. All right. It worked. It was um, that almost could have turned into a bad beat with the, the second injury, but it worked out in the end. Um, all right. So without using Gonzaga being up to what is your worst beat in your gambling career? Oh, geez. I mean, I don't think there's anything on a future basis. Like, um, I still think the worst beats are the ones when you're going under seven and a half in a baseball game and it's one to one after eight and then it's two to two after nine and somebody hits a grand slam. Those are the worst. Like that happened the other day in Altuve, an Altuve walk-off, right? Right. Yep. Those are the worst because it's, you know, you're not a loser, but you are, you know, <laughs> after nine innings, there's four runs. They have to double it. Like the only way you can, well, you could get a couple runs in the top and then a couple in the bottom. We can go on forever, but a bottom of the 10th, bottom of the 11th grand slam with the score two to two with a total of seven and a half. I've had multiple beats like that. Um, I also, I don't think this is a bad beat because the game could have gone either way. I was on the wrong side of the kick six and the iron bowl. I think I had Alabama futures that year and they went for a field goal rather than punt. And of course, Chris Davis takes it a hundred and, seven yards or whatever. So I had Alabama futures. That wasn't really a bad beat because it was a tie game. I think I don't have a specific example, but losing on a walk-off grand slam to, to go over the total when you've got the under, nothing's worse in my opinion. Steve, Steve bets more baseball than me. He can probably relate to more of those. Well, so the over in extra inning games is hitting at 60% for the, cause obviously with the man on second. So like it's, that totally makes sense too if you have an under two with the rate that it's been hitting this season. I mean, overtime is I where unders to... go to die. Oh, everybody knows worst. that. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I've had, I've even had basketball games when you go under a total like you know two twenty five or two thirty because you know with a total like that you need one bad stretch for about six minutes in regulation, and the game's not going over. But I've had games where you know you're under two twenty five and it's. 85 to 85 after overtime and it's like oh triple overtime and the Sixers won 140 to 130 come on like overtime extra innings nightmare all right um what is you know what is one of your favorite spots to target like when you're when you're breaking games down and like you know you can find something to bet on every day but what's one of those spots that like a week out or like you see it coming and you just circle it and say like, this is one of the spots that I'm really looking to make like, you know, a multi-unit play. I love going back on good teams in college football that just got upset. Um, like if, you know, a couple of years ago, let's say Alabama goes to Ole Miss and they, you know, Ole Miss pulls the upset is like a six point home dog. Whoever Alabama plays the next week, I don't care if it's LSU. I don't care if it's, 
you know, Coastal Carolina didn't used to be good. They used to be, you know, you could railroad them if it's, you know, the Citadel. I don't care what the number is. Like, whatever that number is for a really good team off a bad loss, I like to lay it. But situationally in the NFL, there's something that I call the accordion. And a really highly perceptional team wins by four touchdowns. And then the team they're playing the next week loses by, you know, 10 or 14. So I have all this extra perception. Like, say the Packers beat the Bears 42 to 10. The Packers next week play the Lions. And the look-ahead number was Packers minus 7.5. Now it's 10.5. And And the Lions, oh, by the way, they lost by two touchdowns. So we get three extra points off a key number with a team that nobody wants to bet on against a team that everybody's going to bet on because it just won by four touchdowns. So you're, you're building in to the accordion being pulled all the way to the right on the Packers and all the way to the left on the Lions. They have to over-adjust the books too because they, they know everybody, A, loves to bet the Packers, and B, just watch the Packers wax whoever. So they're moving that up expecting the right. like They expect the money to come in. And you know the Packers are going to be on every money line parlay they're going to be in every teaser. So they're trying to get ahead of it. And if they move it from seven and a half to 10, 10 and a half, 11, I'll take the 11 any day. So I love you. I love to fade the overreaction and expect the correction in the market. But most people don't bet that way. They bet off what they've last seen. And I think that's why a lot of people get in trouble. Recency bias, taking advantage yep. of recency bias. That's what it is. Um, all right. In the, in the opposite direction, you, I mean, you could almost use the same answer for this, but like one of your biggest red flags when it comes to sports betting, like what is a spot that you just, you will not bet? Usually when players are banged up from an injury standpoint and they like come back into the fold, um, you know, there was a very strong part of gambling media that was still thinking the Lakers were going to win, you know, the, the game six against Phoenix. And it's like, look, we just watched game five. Davis wasn't on the floor. They're going to clear him for game six, but it's like, okay, he's in, but is he really in? Is he effective? Mm -hmm. Is he valuable? He was a non-factor in that game. And even though I think in lights, we all see Anthony Davis is in, you're not even handicapping him playing. You're handicapping how effective he is. So I, I always get nervous. Um, I don't want to say that I stay away entirely, but it certainly like makes me think, extra uh, long and hard about it. Like I, I had the nets the other night at three and a half, but people are like, well, what do you know about James Harden? I, I don't know anything. Like he could be awful. And he wasn't really that good. They won because Jeff green played like Jeff green from 2009 and Kevin Durant had 49, 17 and 10. They didn't win because of James Harden. So I think it's always, it's always important to be cautious about players that are hurt or had been hurt coming back into the fold Usually they're not near hundred percent and usually we overreact and over adjust their addition to the team. It's usually a situation where they're not as good as they should be, but because they're in the market tends to overreact that way. Agree. I had some Lakers futures that went up in flames. I have some Nets futures that um, even I will say I'm, I, I'm happy with the 46 minutes we got from Harden the other night instead of a, a Mike James getting those minutes. Um, the Bucks maybe could have gone after him a little more defensively, but uh, he gutted it out out there. But we'll talk the about Bucks that. The Bucks should have won that game by 30 for the right. Like the Bucks should have killed them. The fact yep. that they didn't make any adjustments. Yep. And you're talking about somebody who had Brooklyn three and a half. Me too. Um, Me too. I mean, they were down, what, down 16 and a half? They, they, they mm-hmm. should have blown Brooklyn off the floor. 
Uh, somebody actually texted me after the game. They were doing the, the press conference, you know, with the coaches. Somebody said, Coach Bud looks like he picks up bet slips at the casino. And I thought it was a perfect way. Like, I mean, he had the look. Oh, awful. Um, all right. We're going to roll over to NBA after this one. And this is a quick one, easy one. Best advice you have for new sports bettors? Um, I would say it's always get the right number. You know, there are so many people. Let's yeah. use the NFL, for example. You know, these lines come out, people don't realize that they don't come out game day. They come out the week before, you know, some sports books put them up Sunday. I know DK's got them up sometimes on Sunday or Monday morning. So you have the whole week to bet on them. And, you, you know, like an underdog, I love underdogs in the NFL, but people will, you know, they won't bet the plus seven on Sunday night, Monday morning, you know, going into that week, they'll wait until kickoff. And that seven-point dog is now five and a half. And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> what? Hey, of course it Five matters. and a half, the worst like, number in football. <laughs> like, I, you, yeah. you would be amazed at how many people tell me, well, it's just a half a point. And then they're the same ones that get upset at me when I say, hey, you know, on Monday, I like Team X plus seven or plus six and a half, and they take five and a half or five. Because a lot of the Sharpies, like, they'll let the market settle. They'll, they'll wait, and then they'll attack, and there's – dummying going on they'll they'll bet the other side to get a bigger number but if the number on the team is prime six days out there's no reason to wait you have to get the best number um that's more than half the battle i think for a lot of us yeah i'm, I'm with you there all right so let's talk about the nba obviously yesterday we're recording this on june 17th i think june 16th will be a day that lives in infamy with the amount of news the number one seeds, both number one seeds losing, just absolutely rocked the market for the NBA playoffs here. Obviously, we know the news about Kawhi Leonard suffering the ACL injury, even though after that prior game on Sunday, he's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, you know, hiding this massive ACL injury. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul contracting COVID-19. We have that to deal with. And now the ramifications, we we saw them from last night and the, the prior, but now tonight we have, Nets at Bucks in this one. The Bucks are six point favorites as we record this Thursday morning. Now, the home team has won every game so far in this series. And we also look at Brooklyn, who have been one of the best underdog teams or underdogs in this one. They're 13 11, but six and eight straight up on the road as underdogs here. Sam, what are your thoughts on this game specifically and for the rest of this series if it does move on after tonight? Well, I'm sitting in a position right now where I've got Brooklyn to win the series at plus 130. I did that going into game five because my math in my head, the way I thought about it was, look, they're going to be a short underdog at home. If they're a two or a three-point favorite, granted a close one at some places, they can win this game. It's not like they're, you know, like, yeah, they're the underdog, but barely. So my thought process was if they win five, they'll be favored at home in game seven, assuming Harden can play and I don't know if Irving's back by then. We're still sort of guessing as far as his future goes, his near future for that matter. But I have Brooklyn at plus 135. I'm asking myself out loud, should I come back and take some bucks? Like you can get, you know, plus 250 or so on Milwaukee. That's what I'm thinking about. But I always have these conversations like, do you like the team or do you like the price? Like, do I really like Milwaukee to win the series? I don't know, man, like <laughs> that's a bad loss. And I, I worry about a team like that that has never really been able to go and take that next step with Giannis. Like they're a good team. They're a great team in the regular season. But they haven't won Jack in the postseason. 
So can they bounce back mentally? You know, Bud had circles ran around him by a rookie head coach, Steve Nash. As far as the game goes, like, I don't, I don't agree with the move. Like, I don't think we can move Milwaukee from three and a half to five, five and a half, just based on the fact that they should win and they should get calls. Um, I, I think it's a little square to think Brooklyn here, but that's okay. Um, it's about the number. And I think five and a half, some books are six. I don't hate that bet on Brooklyn at all um, because I don't, I don't know that Milwaukee is mentally tough enough to recover from that awful loss in game five. And I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment. That's a game they should have won. I would argue that, you know, everybody outside of Durant and Green played poorly. So if the supporting cast plays better and Durant does what he does and Harden plays better, Brooklyn's a better team. And I think mentally they've been here. They've got guys that have won championships before. I think it's a mental game. And I don't know if Milwaukee's good enough. I, I have my concerns. Milwaukee mentally is a mess. And that goes to Giannis and Giannis after the game. You know, sometimes you have to go. I'm not a huge narrative guy, but like, you got to look into some things in these press conferences, especially when you're playing the same team six, seven times in a row and looking at kind of the roller coaster ride of this. Giannis after the game saying that Durant is better than him as the two time defending MVP, it, that means something. Um, Brooklyn has some real estate in, in Milwaukee's head. And, and like you said, you know, Bud getting out coached by a rookie head coach. What I liked about what Steve Nash did is he just didn't get in the way. And he gave himself what I consider to be one of the best coaching advantages in the NBA, playing your best players, big minutes. What, the best way to give yourself an advantage is playing Kevin Durant the entire game and not taking him, taking him off the floor. Um, it, you know, you take Durant off the floor for four minutes and play him 44 minutes. You don't win that game. So like uh, just play, playing your guys and not getting in the way, like Bud plays his guys, his stars, Giannis famously plays, less minutes. Like he played 28 minutes per game and won MVP one year um, just kind of gets in his own way and doesn't make the adjustments. So the shift here, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm already heavy on Brooklyn. So like, I don't want to get in my way too much for the series and, and the East, but the six points um, for a team going against Milwaukee that we almost expect to collapse in the second half I'll take, I'll take the six points and really quick talking about Harden. Like we, we expect him to, to be better. Um, this one's already taken some money on the over and the juice is going up. Harden's points, rebounds, assists. It's a prop that people love to bet. It's generally 44 and a half, 45 and a half. It's 30 and a half on DK Sportsbook tonight that you're getting 66%. You need 66% of Harden's production to cash the over there. He shot miserably one of 10 in that first game. Maybe some rust knocks off. Maybe he he's probably going to take more than 10 shots also in 40, if the 46 minutes he played last game. So if Harden's going to play 40 minutes in this game, um, taking him to have two thirds of his usual production is, is pretty attractive to me. So you're combining, you're combining points, rebounds and assists, right? That's what you're yep. saying. Thir 30 and, and a half points, rebounds and assists for Harden. I, I, Personally, I think it's tougher when you combine all the stats. Like, I like to break them up individually. Um, like, let's put points on an island, put rebounds on an island, put assists on an island. Because, you know, like, you could have a game where – what's the harder number, 30 and a half? Yep. He scores – say he scores 10 points and has, you know, 15 assists and four rebounds. You're going to be so upset, you know. So, I always – Yeah. I try and centralize – that's me. I mean, if you have success with it, 
uh, hey man, do your thing. But do you have one of the three that you like more or do you actually like them collectively the most? It depends on the player for me, basically, if I'm going to go that way. Harden, I kind of generally go with the three ways. Um, but so the points are really low, 15 and a half. And I the know, overs. I know. It just, you wonder about his, his ability to attack the rim. Yeah, that's what he looked like he couldn't do in the last game. So it's minus 139 juiced also on the on the points over. I'm curious enough they have a free throw number, too, because there could be some correlation here with points and free throws. He's at his best, as we know, when he's able to burst to the rim and you know get slapped on the arm and go to the free mm-hmm. throw line. But if he can't, you know, if he can't push and can't cut, you know, again, we're, we're not handicapping the player. We're handicapping an injured player. So we're trying to understand and try and compute with no data on how well his body feels and and how bad the injury is. We don't know. Are they shooting him up before the game? Maybe. Um, There's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we don't know. So Harden had six Six. rebounds in 46 minutes in the last game. His rebounds are set at six and a half for this one. Um, I do. I mean, I lean over there, obviously, if I like the over on the depressed number. The assists, it's really just all the points that are making the difference here because the assists are eight and a half. It's usually nine and a half or ten and a half. You do get plus 120 on over eight and a half assists. He had eight last game. So if there was one, you know, aspect of his game that was the least affected, it was his passing. Um, You know, he hit Durant. He hit Joe Harris on some nice back cuts at the rim where he was kind of playing quarterback in that offense. Injured quarterback, but, but quarterback from the top of the key. So given the other two are juiced up and yet you can get the plus plus one twenty on the eight and a half assists. I, I think if I was narrowing it to one, I would take over eight and a half assists at plus plus one twenty. if I'm not playing the three way. I love but you got to rely on, you got to, the one about that is you got to rely on teammates to make shots too. Right. I love how we, we finally got there to where we were trying to go. <laughs> uh, the Nets, by the way, uh, looking at DraftKings now, still the favorite to win the championship. And right. I talk to bookmakers from, from all over the place, and they tell you it's because of the liability, right? Because when Harden got dealt there, the Nets were 10, 12 to 1 to win the title. And there was an avalanche then. Even though they couldn't really stay healthy and stay on the floor, people still bet them and expected them to be healthy by the time the playoffs rolled around. But you had a situation before game five where the Nets were underdogs to win the series against Milwaukee but they had shorter odds than Milwaukee to win the East and to win the title. What? How is that possible? Well, because of all the liability. So I think it's important to remember that when it comes to future book, every market is different. You know, division is different than conference. Conference is is different than championship. Uh, In this situation, the Brooklyn Nets were an underdog in their series, but had better odds than the team that was favored over them. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, everybody's on the nets to win it. So, yeah, folks don't want to take more money. Let's shift over to the uh, the uh, Friday games. Obviously, that's the two games on that one. Sixers at Hawks and then Jazz at Clippers. Obviously, I think the news here is that the unbelievable collapse by the Sixers the other night. They, at one point, according to ESPN, had a 99.5% uh, chance of winning that game until they just absolutely collapsed. What was it a 21-point lead they ended up blowing there, uh, Julian? 26 last 26, night. 26. Just 
uh, like remarkable there. There are they are favorite road favorites in this next one here, minus 159 over on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, the spread has pretty much stayed as is currently minus three for the Sixers. Sam, what are your feelings on this one? And quite frankly, how can you feel good? How can the Sixers feel good about their, their position in this series after blowing a lead like that? Talking about mental toughness, you have to figure that out, right? With uh, not only Milwaukee, but with Philadelphia as well. I also saw this meme last night. Guess which game Atlanta won? Falcons 28, Patriots 3? Or <laughs> Sixers 72, Hawks 46? How? I have no idea how that happened. Um, to get back to your question, though, Steve, you know, the Friday games, what do you like and all that? I have played the same thing in three straight games. Trey Young to be the leading scorer in the game. In game three, he was plus 230. And he was a leading scorer thanks to a meaningless three with a minute to go when they were down 15. I was like, Yes! So I hit that one. <laughs> game four, he's plus 190 because Embiid has been the favorite in every game, but the mm-hmm. market has already corrected itself. So we hit him for 230 in game three, uh, for 190 in game four, and it didn't look like he was going to be the leading scorer last night, but he did it again. For the third straight game, Trey Young was the leading scorer at plus money, 230, 190, and 160. Um, we don't have the numbers up yet, I don't believe. I'm nope. going to guess at home – Knowing that the books have to, as we've talked about, over-adjust and over-correct, I'm going to guess Trey Young to be the leading scorer is going to be about plus a quarter, plus 125. Um, He didn't take a lot of threes in the last game. I think he only took six or seven, but he got to the line. The floater was on, and he was aggressive. I mean, he gets volume. It's not like Trey Young is going to miss his first eight shots and stop shooting. You know, he's going to take 15, 20 shots a game. I think at home, there's pressure on them to finish this. And if they do finish it, it'll be behind Trey Young. I'm curious to see the number on him to be the leading scorer. Um, Also, his over has hit in, I think, four or five games. And I do like Atlanta plus the three points. I just think think they're a better team. Um, And I I think it it comes down to, you know, Embiid turning into a pumpkin late in games. He dominated the first quarter, but he was a pumpkin in the fourth. And Ben Simmons, man, like that guy can't hit a free throw. He can't hit a jump shot. So they become much more guardable in the fourth quarter when they can shift and they can double Embiid and they dare Simmons to shoot. They're like, go ahead, dude. If you make it, we'll take it. Like, if you make it, we'll tip our cap. He hasn't been able to make free throws or jump shots. I think Philly's easier to guard. And that's why I like the home team get, uh, getting points. Yeah, I mean, Philly's got problems, big problems. Um, I jumped on them minus 130 to win the series after the game one loss. I brought it back with some Hawks recently when, uh, you know, they were dead in the water. Um, so uh, for me, yeah, I'm with you. I'll probably I'll probably take some Hawks in this game because they, they probably deserve to be favored at, at home, um, especially with, like, what is the mindset for the Sixers right now? First team in 25 years in the NBA to blow back-to-back 18-point leads to lose playoff games. They can't close. Embiid gasses himself out early in games and can't finish. Simmons is is Simmons took four shots in, in 38 minutes uh, on, on Wednesday night. Like he's not gonna be your guy or ever be your guy. So that leaves you with Tobias Harris, who's a, you know a mediocre guy, not good enough to be an all-star to be like a late game scorer. He had four points in game five. Um it's just not there. Um, the Sixers, once they lose this series, famous last words, now they probably win it in seven, but <laughs> got everything. Rivers needs to be gone. Trade Simmons. Find somebody that's going to 
coach Embiid into a guy that can, you know, knock out pedal to the metal to start games and like be able to finish. Um, I wouldn't hate if you wanted to bet Sixers first quarter in this game and still bet the Hawks for the game. Yeah. Philly's going to come out hot again. Like they're more talented um, and they play better early in games. Like I would be surprised if Philly isn't leading this one early. Then maybe you want to go small on the Hawks so that you can get an in-game position on the Hawks. Cause we've seen this story before. Um, I'm going to rip through this real quick. I did it on the sweat this morning. This is Doc Rivers since winning the 2008 title with the Celtics. Without Kevin Garnett, Celtics up 3-2 to Orlando in 2009, lose the series. 2010 Celtics up 3-2 on the Lakers in the NBA Finals, lose the series, blow a double-digit lead in Game 7. 2012 Celtics up 3-2 on the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, lose the series. That was the Game 6 LeBron game in Boston. I was there. I was devastated. Um, 2013 Clippers up three to two on the Grizzlies lose the series, including game seven at home, 2014 Clippers blow a 15 point lead to lose game five against OKC lose the series in six, 2015, the Clippers blow a three to one lead to the Rockets, 2016. Did I say that again? 2015 was the three to one lead to the Rockets, 2016 Clippers up two on the O on the Blazers lose four in a row, losing six, 2017, they lose game seven at home to the jazz. 2020, the Clippers blow the famous 3-1 to lead to the Nuggets in the bubble, losing double-digit leads in each of the last three games. And then 2021, here we sit. That's a long list. Um, <laughs> list. From what I can gather there, don't trust Doc Rivers late in a playoff series. So I, I asked you the question, the know you better question, biggest red flag. I now have a spot. Don't bet <laughs> Doc Rivers late in playoff series. I didn't actually see – I'm curious. I'm going to guess here what the price is because knowing that the Sixers are favored in game six and they'd be about a seven-point favorite in game seven. Yep. I'm going to guess it's close to a pick for the series right now. Like Philly – even though Philly's trailing, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I, I'm going to guess it's, it's close to minus 10. Um, yeah, so I was – I'm with you, and I was getting ready to maybe bet some Hawks. DraftKings has it at Atlanta minus 162, Philly plus 130. Wow. Okay. Um, That's interesting. So they know that the Sixers are gutless frauds. (laughs) But when you do the math and you extrapolate it out, when you take a team that's, you know, a three-point favorite and then a seven-point favorite, like I I know they're down a game, but you would think the math would be a little lower. So I I think – So there's value on the Sixers. Clearly, they're trying to write money on the Sixers. I mean, that's what the number tells you. Because I think I think that's a little too steep. Like, I'm in no rush to lay 160 on Atlanta um, right. to win the series when you could have had. I mean, yesterday they were plus money, definitely. So, it, right, it's it's that mental arithmetic. It's like, all right, well, what should the number be and what is it? Um, I think it's clear the book is trying to write Sixer money, but I that's a pass. But like, I'm not laying it. That's for sure. And I, I want a bigger number on. Uh, they got, no, I don't, I don't know that I want a bigger number. I don't know that I trust Philly. So it's a pass, but it's an interesting number, right? I, all these numbers tell a story. They always do. Um, all right, real quick before we go to baseball, any any Clippers Jazz series thoughts? Um, I scooped up Utah minus three and Moneyline as soon as the Kawhi news hit. Hedged out a little bit, but I got such great value and believed in Utah so much at home that I, I wanted to risk a little bit of that and, and leave it. Um, let me down. Clippers now minus 167 in the series, Jazz plus 137. Um, the Jazz are two-point favorites in LA for, for game six. Both both road both 
number one seeds that choked game fives away at home in a two, two series are favored on the road on Friday night in game six, anything on game six, anything on the series here for you? This series is drunk. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I, you know, the Clippers also have been, I would argue they've been better on the road over the postseason, right? Especially against Dallas. They like home court meant nothing to them. And this is another fascinating you know, development in the sports betting world. You know, some teams have full boats, others don't. Um, like that Suns and Lakers series, the Suns were at 90% capacity. The Lakers were at like 28. Like, how is that fair? Um, even in hockey with the, the Vegas and the Montreal series, Vegas has 100%. Montreal has like 3,000 fans. So we're also like weighing that into our equation. I don't think home court is as important for the Clippers who don't have the capacity and don't really play well at home or they haven't for that matter. Um, I would think Utah except for the two, except for the two blowouts over Utah. Yeah, right. They've been better this series, but as a whole, I think they've been about, I think they've been about 50, 50 as far as ATS um, yep. with, with home court. So, um, you know, the number tells you the books are, are going to expect some Utah, right. You know, maybe some desperation here. I, I don't think Utah's cooked. Um, I think they, I think they didn't take the Clippers seriously. That's for sure. Like they weren't mentally prepared to take on a Clippers team without Kawhi. Like I think they already like had collected $200 for passing go and they, they got slapped right away and they couldn't recover. Um, I think you get a, a more focused Utah team and I don't hate that number minus two. Um, I, I think this one goes seven. I think it does. Like if you were to tell me before the series, like how long does the series go or ask me how long I probably would have said seven. So I could see it going back to Utah for game seven. And at that point, who knows? Like, I, I feel like I have a pretty good pulse or at least a good idea in a lot of these games or right or wrong. Like I, I'm pulled one way. I'm not pulled anywhere in this series. I, this series is like, like, I feel like I'm blindfolded playing, you know, pin the tail on the donkey. I have no idea. I kind of lean to the jazz. Um, the narrative, you know, last night was supposed to be Utah's, you know, Wednesday night was supposed to be Utah's game um, and the series was supposed to be over without Kawhi. The Clippers have a completely out of character performance for their franchise, for Ty Lue, for Paul George, who gets all the knocks and they grind it out. I now everybody is, you know, in favor of the Clippers. I think this is where it switches and that the Clippers curse is real. And after they bait everybody into believing in them, this is where it goes the other way. Um, I think Utah bounces back really strong in a road environment. Like you said, that is not hostile at all to get that game six. And then the game seven will be hostile in Utah for the Clippers. And I think Paul George becomes the Paul George in the playoffs that we kind of always have grown to know rather than the guy on in game five that had kind of a mini KD type of performance to put his team on, on his back and gut that game out shorthanded. Um, so that's where I'm leaning going. I don't, is that against the grain? I don't know, maybe, but that's, that's where I'm at with it. Um, all right, let's do a little bit of baseball before we get out of here. I have recently gotten back into betting baseball. If you've been following along on Twitter, doing decently with it. Um, but here's what really fascinates me is all this pitcher stuff going on. Obviously all the pitchers are getting hurt. All the pitchers are complaining about it. Maybe we need to find middle ground. Maybe we don't. Um, but you know, starting soon, pitchers have to just completely abandon everything. This has me, I, I don't know baseball as well as you guys, but this has me thinking overs. This has me thinking unders on K props. Um, 
you know, Steve, you can start us off. Like, what does this mean? Because I want to take advantage in the betting market somehow. Yeah, I mean, at least in the short term, what we've seen already, and we, obviously this whole substance thing is going to be the story probably for the rest of the year. But over the past week, the overs on these game totals are up almost 6%. And while that doesn't feel like a big number, you know, the over-unders overall for the season were almost deadlocked at 50-50. So now we see all this news coming in, and now these overs are hitting at a high rate. Yesterday alone, the over was 10-5 and five for all the games that happened. Now, that's not out of the ordinary, but in this particular time frame, that looks kind of glaring. So, and then we see someone like Garrett Cole go out last night. Going against a tough Blue Jays team, only struck out four. That's very unlike Garrett Cole to only struck, strike out four. And then he went to his press conference. He was whining and crying the entire time. Everybody's already quoting his for Pete's sake that he said during that press conference. Very upset. If you drop it for Pete's sake, you're upset. At least that's, that's what it feels like in my mind. But right now, overs feels like the play. Even first half overs. Like the first half over yesterday for the, for the Mets and Cubs was three. It was Jacob DeGrom against Robert Stock. Robert Stock, obviously not a household name, but it ended up at six. Like there is going to be, I think, a lot of overs and the market's going to have to adjust at some point, but I don't feel like we've seen that as of yet. So, and, you know, Sam, I want to kind of get your opinion on that. You know, I, I think the overs are going to be the play here and first half overs too, especially if pitchers are not able to grip the ball that, like they like. So now they're trying to overcompensate. And that to me, means that there's going to be a lot more mistakes or balls left over the heart of the plate for batters to take advantage of. So we definitely saw a pitcher's market to begin the year. I think we're going to see a massive 180, at least through the rest of the year. Well, I mean, you already gave the data to back it up. A six point or a 6% hike up is, is massive. People go, well, that's not, not a lot. You're telling me 50, 50 to 56, 44 isn't a lot in sports betting. Holy cow. 6% takes me from 53% to 59%. And all of a sudden yeah. I'm a lot richer than I would be if I was hitting 53%. You know what I mean? So 6% is, is massive. Um, I think in the short, I think you said it best in the short term until the books do adjust. I think, you know, I don't know that you could blind bet every over. I, I think eventually that you could have that day where you go, zero and 15, you know, yeah. I've seen that happen before, but I think generally speaking, the right team and the right situation. Yeah. I would be looking over um thing is the books are going to adjust though you know like in the nfl last season when you know through week four the overs were like 68 percent well what happened in week five the under went you know 11 and five <laughs> because the totals instead of opening a total in football at 47 they opened it at 50 instead of 51 it's 54 now it's tougher in baseball because i can't exactly say all right steve i'm going to move this total as a bookmaker it should be eight. I'm going to move it to nine because then you're going to have sharp guys hit you under nine. You can't really move the market that much. But I do think I would argue that a half run is yep. extremely expensive. And rather than seven and a half, maybe it's eight. Rather than eight and a half, maybe it's nine because um, it's all math and it's all kind of crunching the numbers and then baking in the perception. I think in the short term, sure, maybe another five days, seven days, you could hit the overs. But there will come a time when eventually that 6% is going to come back the other way because right. the books over the course of the season, they're going to make their adjustments. And the people that are late to the party, like that, that are listening to this podcast right now, and you just said the overs have been the move for five days or whatever, they're going to, they're going to catch on. But in five days from now, it might be too late. So there's always that overcorrection and overadjustment. I've, I've said those words a couple of times now, but it's real. 
because the bookmakers, trust me, they're aware of the trends and they see all the bets and they see the patterns and they make their moves off those. So short term is a good way, but it's not, it's not going to you know, build up your 401k or your retirement plan betting on overs through October. Like that's not the move. And so, so this, these new rules go into effect on Monday, the 21st. Am I right? Right. Yep. Okay. So that's maybe when we start to see the biggest impact. And so the idea is that that's when the rule, that's when the like suspensions and the punishments start getting, you know, implemented. Their right. clubs are already telling their pitchers, Hey, do this now because we need you to start adjusting now. So that's right. why you're already hearing the complaints. That's why you're already hearing pitchers, you know, moan about this. And rightfully so, because, you know, up until this point, it was not illegal. Now you're basically telling them to change everything that they've been doing throughout their career. Yeah, no, I like, like, even listening to, like, Tyler Glasnow whine I and do. complain. Um, I mean, that's, like, unbearable. But I, I don't disagree with the fact that he's like, oh, I feel like this is why I got hurt. Um, like, sure, maybe baseball could have handled this better and maybe not done it in the middle of a season, let it get out of control to this point. You should have been doing this before this season. So like everybody's at fault, but it's a bad look to be whining about just not being able to cheat. But like you said, Garrett Cole had four strikeouts the other night. Like I'm surprised that you guys are not more interested in strikeout unders for some of the big names that we see um you know Cole can be around like 10 strikeouts and you're telling me you got four last game like I'm very interested especially if it's somebody that's been up there you know complaining about this I'm interested in these strikeout unders maybe I'm just a player that doesn't know about baseball but at least for me I need more of a sample for the strikeout unders before they start calling that a trend it's not as if Garrett it's going to be gone which is well, like Sam that's a, said. So I gotta like I'm just gonna blind my myself and go in there on the strikeout unders. I think I, so. I think that's a fair assessment. But when you look at like over unders for for the whole league, like that took a significant jump. I don't know if I want to base one game where Garrett Cole had four strikeouts and go, okay, I'm gonna start blindly betting these unders for for strikeout totals because strikeout totals I think are a lot tougher to to figure out than some of these over unders because over unders obviously have so much that you have to take into account. Bullpen, starting pitching, opposing offenses, where strikeouts is more matchup-based. So I'm not crazy about the strikeouts yet. I think it's definitely something to take a look at moving forward, but at least in the short term. And see, I'm kind of interested to see what you have say to say about this. That's not something I'm looking to attack right now. I think it all depends on who they face. I mean, with strikeout props, I, I look at the team they're facing. You know, a lot right. of people don't. You know, like, oh, like, uh, Garrett Cole's numbers – Seven and a half. I like the over. Well, why is it seven and a half? Is, is he right. facing a team that doesn't strike out? I mean, is he facing the Astros? The Astros have a league low 483 strikeouts. When you compare that to the team at the top, Tampa Bay has struck out 724 times. So they've almost struck out 300 more times. You know, the Rays, the Tigers, the Mariners, the Cubs, they whiff and they whiff a lot. I, I think it's, I think it's case in point by situation. Um, if Garrett Cole's facing the Rays, I'll probably lean to the over. Yeah. If he's facing the Astros, I'd probably lean under. Like, I think exotic crops like that are more paramount when you compare the teams they're facing compared to the teams that they've – who did he just strike out four guys against? Remind me, Cole? Blue Jays. Toronto. Uh, Toronto's in the bottom. Yeah, they're like 25th in strikeouts. So, I, yeah. is it more of the, you know, the spider tech, or is it more that Toronto doesn't strike out? Like, it could be right. both. Nope, I agree. Yeah, I mean, all right. I guess I got to think about it more. 
<laughs> all Julian wants is his own system. You can tell. Right. <laughs> this is why. Yeah, I mean, this is why I've I've put out three baseball plays on Twitter in the last month and a half. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I I was planning on putting out uh, thirty strikeout prop unders on Friday, but you guys foiled my plan. <laughs> well, I got I foiled your plan, but I have something for you. And DK has one of the best prices in the market on this. That Ooh. NL Central division is wide open. Oh I, man. I don't believe in the Cubs. I just don't. I, you know, Cub fans, and I'm a Chicago guy, a White Sox guy, but it's like, oh, yeah, the Cubs just beat, you know, they just rolled off uh, seven wins against the Pirates and the Marlins. Awesome. Congrats. You know, I, I don't think it's going to last for them. I like Milwaukee a lot, but they haven't been really that healthy that, that much. There is a team that's like two games back right now that DK has a 10 to 1, and like nobody's talking about the Cincinnati Reds. That yep. offense it humps and they score runs. And if we're talking about a situation where pitching isn't as valuable, all of a sudden offense is more valuable. How well can you hit? How many runs can you score? Can you drive in runs? Cincinnati does that. DraftKings has the Brewers plus 05. They've got the Cubs 230. They've got the Cardinals 270. And they have the Cincinnati Reds right now at 10 to 1. I'm not saying that they're going to win the division, but if they are as good as I think they are at the plate, and they're in contention. That's the key. September 1, are they close? I think the answer is yes. And I don't think that 10 to 1 at DK is going to be available all that much longer. It's June 17th. You know, we're still going to hit the dog days of summer. You know, a, a lot of these teams are going to sink by the time you get to August 1. I don't think the Reds will sink because of their offense. 10 to 1 to me at DK, man, that's a good pop. I think they're a contender, and I think they're a top two team in the division by the time we get to October. And if that's the case, you could hedge, you could sell, you could do whatever you want. But 10 to 1 right now on Cincinnati to win the division, I think it's a good bet. I like and that. And just real, just real quick on that, too, if you're talking about those teams and the teams that are able to make a move, the Reds are probably the team out of that bunch. We know the Cubs have been strapped for cash for a few years now. It's why they've got rid of some of the guys that they got rid of, why they didn't resign guys like Kyle Schwarber or anything like that. So there is a team that has the capabilities, that has the, that has the room to make a move. It's the Reds. So you're probably right. That's probably one of the better prices you're going to get this late into the season. And I think the Reds are absolutely going to be biased at the deadline, too. And they're definitely a team that will make a move to, to do that, too. And they just got back Aristides Aquino, who is low-key, a nasty power hitter that no one really even realizes because he's been hurt for so long. But if he starts hitting like he did a couple of years ago, that's a move in itself. And they did nothing to get him. All right. Um, I'm being told to wrap, but this is my podcast. So, Sam, in 60 seconds or less, because I asked you to prep for this, if you have a favorite NFL future, <laughs> give it to us. Look, I'm not trying to be super sharp guy, but uh, all the boys are invested on the Cleveland Browns win total over and the division. Um, I think it's regression that's due for Baltimore. Pittsburgh could suck this year. I mean, Ben can't even get out of bed in the morning. Like, how's he going to last 17 games at a high clip? I, they tapered off last year. I, I like Tomlin a lot, but I think the Cleveland Browns have the most talented roster from 1 to 53. Are they the best team in the league? No. Do they have the best player in the league? No. But depth-wise, they're loaded. And I think that their coaching change, you go from Freddie Kitchens, who can't count to 10 by himself, to Stefanski, who's very good at what he does. Cleveland, they're, they're the sexy team, kind of. I don't like them to win the Super Bowl. But I like the win total over, and I like them at plus money to win that division in the AFC North. 
Well, I mean, they're not that sexy also because forget Pittsburgh, Baltimore kind of gets in their way a little bit, which is a, you know, a real threat. But yeah, people seem to like the Browns. We're not going to wander down an NFL rabbit hole right now, though. Um, all right. We, we covered a lot. Um, and we will be back next week for another Unreasonable Odds podcast on Thursday. But for this week, he's Steve. I'm Julian Sam Paniotovich of Nesson Fox Sports Chicken Dinner Podcast. Thank you for joining us, man, and spreading some knowledge. Anytime, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man.